Our culture is obsessed with love. Almost all of our songs are about love. Most of our movies, whether it's a romantic comedy or it's the biggest superhero action movie of the year, has a love story that's running through it. But for a culture that's obsessed with love, I find it ironic that we know almost nothing about real love. I mean, the Beatles sing, sang All You Need Is Love, and then they broke up right after that. You know, Hollywood couples have multi-million dollar weddings only to have multi, multi-million dollar divorces just a couple years later. And it's because we're obsessed with surface level love. And we never get down to the real heart of what love is. That's why we're in this series. We're calling Love With No Strings Attached as we're learning how to cut the strings of surface level love so that we can go to the heart of real love. You see, really we get stuck on the image of love and we never go to the heart of real love. We get stuck on the image of love, infatuation, attraction. Nothing wrong with infatuation or attraction, but that's just an image of love. That's not real love. We get stuck on this image of love and it's all about feelings and one day we fall in love and feel totally in love. Next day we fall out of love because our feelings come and go. Feelings are all over the place. This image of love is all about happily ever after, where there's no problems and no stresses, and you always feel totally in love. But that's an image of love, really a mirage. It's not real. To get to the heart of real love, you gotta go behind the scenes, because real love is messy. It involves a lot of hard work. It's painful. It involves conflict and truth telling and forgiveness and commitment and being willing to be miserable for a while and digging in and staying at the table when you feel like walking away. Real love is messy. Now to show you the difference between image and what's real, how you got to get behind the scenes to see what's real, I I want to show you our Christmas commercial for Woodland Church that we did as a family recently. And and it's amazing, it's beautiful, because we have such a beautiful, wonderful, perfect family. Just look at this 30 seconds of perfection. Just watch. Hey, it's Pastor Carrie and Chris Show. And on behalf of our family, we'd love for you to join us for the most meaningful event of the Christmas season. Christmas Eve services at Woodland Church. You'll enjoy a creative and powerful celebration of Christmas. To make room for the thousands that enjoy the Houston area tradition, we'll be having 25 services at our three locations. Your entire family will love our winter wonderland. So check out our website for service times and experience the joy of Christmas at Woodlands Church. Now that's the image of our family. But I want to take you behind the scenes to the real because it took us about two hours to get that 30 seconds. We got one good take in those couple hours. And it was pretty painful, and our daughter-in-law, Sarah, was sick, so she dodged a bullet and didn't have to be there. But um, just look at these outtakes, and you'll see the real behind the image. Just watch. Okay, you guys, everybody look right here. Okay. Okay. Hey, Sarah. Sarah. 
Hey guys, uh, you want me to tell you a story about the uh, Phantom of the Opera Church? What? There is this man who lives here in the church building. He lives up in the rafters. Oh, but he loves Jesus. Jesus. And he prays 24 hours a day for people. Ready? Hey, it's Pastor. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, it's hey. Pastor. That's the real right there. And talk about love with strings attached. I'm trying to scare them so they'll be, do it right. And then I'm trying to give them toys so they'll do it right. Hey, but I have to tell you, if you really want to get behind the scenes of that commercial, you really want to get behind the scenes of our family, um, then you have to understand that that commercial shoot was painful, not because it was so frustrating or so stressful. It's because every family get-together, every family portrait, every family event where we gather, we're always missing one of our family members, our grandson, Jude Samuel Shook, um, our son, Josh, and daughter-in-law, Kelly's son, Jude, who many of you know was born on January 7th, 2017, and he went to be the Lord with the Lord the next day, and he only lived one day, but that one day changed the rest of our days, changed our lives forever because he taught us so much about real love and what love is all about. A couple of days after Jude went to be with the Lord, our daughter Megan sent a group text to her whole family where she included uh, two little verses from an obscure and tiny little book in the New Testament written by another Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, and when Chris and I got that text and we read those verses, we both just looked up and we were thinking the same thing. It was as if Jude, our Jude, spoke to us directly from heaven. The most encouraging words we'd ever heard in our lives at the most discouraging time. And I want us to look at those words from Jude chapter 1. I want you to open your Bibles there because not only is it encouraging words, 
but from Jude we hear the secret to real and lasting love. So would you stand Woodland Church in honor of God's word? I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us from our satellite campuses and everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry, wherever you are in the world. We're all part of the same family, the same church. And so just follow along with me because I know that God wants to speak to your heart today, directly to you through his word in Jude chapter one. I, Jude, am a slave to Jesus Christ and brother to James, writing to those loved by God the Father, called and kept safe by Jesus Christ. Relax, everything's going to be all right. Rest, everything's coming together. Open your hearts, love is on the way. Dear God, I thank you that love is on the way. And when we think of Christmas, Lord, that's what it's all about. That you sent love our way, wrapped in the flesh of a tiny baby in a manger on that first Christmas. And Lord, I pray that you over the next few moments would touch our hearts. Because Lord, all of us have wounds in our hearts. We all need healing, Lord, in our hearts. I know there's so many within the sound of my voice that have a broken heart today, a heart that's been crushed by pain and grief. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bring healing as only you can, that you would work miracles in hearts, that you would heal the hearts of husbands and wives and the hearts of men and women, the hearts, Lord Jesus, of all of us who are hurting is only you can bring healing in relationships and in families. And I thank you, Lord, that we can look to you and your heart for us and open our hearts to receive that miracle today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And I want you to underline that last phrase, open your hearts, love is on the way. That's the secret to lasting love. That's the secret to love that changes you and changes the people around you. That's the secret to love that brings total fulfillment. You have to open your heart. It's living with a heart wide open, a heart wide open to receive God's love and to give God's love because if your heart is half closed, then you can't receive all of God's love and you can't give the love that you need to give. The secret to real love is loving with a heart that is wide open. The word for heart in the Bible literally means the real you. It's your internal motivations, your passion. It's who you really are. And that's why the Bible says you have to love God wholeheartedly with a heart that's wide open to receive his love and to give his love. It has to be a whole heart. But the problem is as we go through life, we experience pain and difficulties and our hearts get wounded. Our hearts get let down. Our hearts get hurt, our hearts get disappointed, our hearts get betrayed, and our hearts get broken. And our hearts then become filled with fear. We have fearful hearts and we start shutting down parts of our heart. And we stop living with a heart that's wide open. We protect our heart because we're afraid we're gonna get hurt again. And I have to tell you folks, there's a battle that's raging right now over your heart. You have an enemy 
that fears your heart. You have an enemy who knows your heart is dangerous because Satan fears what God can do through one ordinary person who lives with a heart that's wide open. Our enemy, Satan, fears what God can do through one ordinary person who is wholehearted in their love for God, receiving his love and giving love. You see, Satan wants to wound your heart because he knows if you only live with half a heart, you can't fulfill your purpose because you were made by God to live with a heart that is wide open, to live with a whole heart. If you're a Christ follower, God gave you a new heart, and that heart is made to live wide open, full throttle. And if you close down part of your heart, if you live with a fourth of your heart, a half of your heart, two-thirds of your heart, you'll never find fulfillment because your heart was made to live wide open. And that's why the enemy fears your heart. The enemy wants to wound your heart so that you only live with half a heart. So you try to protect your heart and you don't live with a heart wide open. In fact, Jesus said, I have come to give you life, life in all its fullness. I want you to live from a full heart. But then he went on to say, but the enemy is a thief and his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. So you need to know there's a battle raging for your heart. And Satan doesn't wanna just mess up your day or hassle you a little bit or annoy you. He's trying to steal your passion for life. For those of you who are married, he's trying to kill your marriage. He's trying to destroy your heart because he fears your heart. We're in a battle, and we need to wake up to the battle cry and realize that it's a battle not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that requires spiritual answers, and that's why Chris always loves it when she sees me on my knees at our sofa in our living room praying or on my knees in my office praying because she knows what I'm doing is I'm fighting for our marriage. I'm fighting for our family. I'm fighting for my heart, and she wants a man that's living with a heart wide open. And we fight on our knees, but I have to say that I'm not a prayer warrior, and in fact, you know, I commit the sin of prayerlessness a lot, but I get on my knees and I pray, and it, and it makes a difference because she knows, wow, he may not be a prayer warrior. He may not pray as much as he should, but I'm telling you what, I know he's engaged in this battle. He realizes we're in a war, and everything in our culture tries to tear apart hearts. For those of you who are married, everything in our culture tries to tear apart marriages. You better wake up to the fact you gotta fight for your marriage. You gotta fight for your family. You gotta fight for your heart. God wants you to live from your whole heart, but Satan wants to wound your heart. And so he'll bring people into your life early on who will say things and do things that wound your heart, that will make you feel like you're not enough and you'll never be enough, that'll make you feel like you don't have what it takes and you'll never have what it takes, arrows to the heart. And then there are problems and difficulties that hit us in life. And some things, folks, just don't make any sense at all. And the enemy wants to use the pains of life to wound our hearts so that we'll close our hearts to God and his love. And then some of our wounds in this war are self-inflicted wounds where we open our heart to disobedience and sin. And then Satan uses his most poisonous arrows to hit us in the heart with guilt and shame so that we wanna 
hide our heart in shame. In this battle for your heart, we've all let down our guard. We've all been wounded deeply. Every one of us have wounds in our heart that need healing. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to heal hearts today. That God is gonna heal hearts today so that we can live with hearts wide open. But how do you live with a heart wide open? Well, Jude tells us, first, rest in the goodness of God's heart. Now, as Christ followers, we know that God is a good God, that God has a good plan for our lives, uh, that God is good, but yet when we look around and see that our circumstances are bad, and when there's pain and hurt and heartache, and brokenness in our lives and all around us, things don't look good and, and we start to doubt God's goodness. God, are you really good? God, do you really care? God, how could you allow this to happen in my life if you're a good God? And we start doubting the goodness of God. In Jude 1, 2, it says, rest. Everything's coming together. You know how comforting that was to us to hear that? When our grandson went to be with the Lord, Jude saying, rest, everything's coming together. God says, rest in my goodness. Even when things are bad, you can count on the fact that I am good. It's all coming together just like I planned. It's a good plan, you just can't see it right now. You see, to open your heart, you have to affirm God's goodness even when things are bad. In 1 Chronicles 16, 34, it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Underline the phrase, he is good. Then underline the word forever and connect the two. Because the reason it's hard for us to see that God is good is because we can't see forever. And we just see the here and now, and it's, there are a lot of things that aren't good. They're awful, they're bad. But even when things are bad, God is still good. It's just that we can't see it at the time because we can't see the big picture. We can't see forever, we just see the here and now. And folks, life is preparation for eternity. If you don't understand that, then you're gonna be really frustrated in life. You're gonna always be stressed, you'll never be happy. If you think the purpose of life is for your happiness and you're trying to get to this place where you don't have any more problems and everything is wonderful and all your circumstances are just right, you're gonna be the most unhappy person on this earth. If you don't understand that life is preparation for eternity, you'll always have deep frustrations. This life is just preparation for the next life. You may live 60, 70, 80 years on this earth. You know, none of us know if we have one day or 100 years, but then we move into the next life, eternity, and that's billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of years, and then eternity will have just begun. And so there are two sides to life, and this side is just preparation for the next side. And by the way, you already have experienced two sides of life. Did you know that? I mean, the first nine months of your life were lived in your mother's womb. You know, and then you were alive, and now outside of the womb. So it's life in the womb, life outside of the womb. There's two sides of life that you've already experienced. And we learned so clearly from Jude Samuel that there's so much physical development that takes place in the womb that prepares you for life outside the womb. 
And Jude's kidneys didn't develop. But you know, you don't really need kidneys for life in the womb. And, but without kidneys in the womb, then what happens is there's no amniotic fluid in the womb and then the lungs don't develop. And so the lungs can't work like they should outside of the womb. But you don't really need kidneys to live in the womb. Those kidneys develop in preparation for life outside the womb. Think about things, that even smaller things like your nose. Your nose developed in the womb, but it doesn't really make sense in the womb because you don't need a nose for life in the womb, do you? I mean, you got all the oxygen from your mother's blood. That nose was just preparing you for life outside the womb, getting you ready for the life outside of the womb. Your eyes, you didn't need your eyes in the womb. Eyes make no sense in the womb. They're just needed for outside the womb. Those eyes develop just to prepare you for life outside the womb. And so much of our pain and suffering this side of heaven doesn't make any sense here in the womb of earth. But what makes no sense in this life will make perfect sense in the next. Because these things, these, the pain, the difficulties, the problems are preparing us for the next life. But we just can't see it because we can't see forever. Reminds me of one of my favorite stories of a grandmother who was cross-stitching and her little grandson came up to her and said, Grandma, that looks terrible. Because he just looked at it and saw from the back all of the frayed knots and string. And the grandmother just laughed and turned it around and showed the beautiful pattern that she'd been working on for hours and said, you're just looking at it from the wrong side. And I think God says that to me so many times. My child, you're just looking at it from the wrong side. You can't see it right now. Now, I know there's some things that I've gone through that I would have never chosen and never wanted to. It were so painful at the time, but I can look back five, 10, 15 years ago. Thank you, God, for that painful experience because I wouldn't be where I am without that. I would have never asked for it or prayed for it. I didn't want it at the time, but thank you that you brought it into my life because I wouldn't be where I am. I've talked to people all the time who say, I'm so grateful now I lost my job 10 years ago or, or I went bankrupt or I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, the pain of that breakup that I never wanted, God took that and brought me to where I am right now. And if it wasn't for losing that job, I would have never thought about what I was really made to do. So I'm grateful. God knew what he was doing. There's so many things in my life I can look back, can't see it at the time, but I can look back and go, oh, okay, that seems so bad, but it was so good. But there's some things in this life that we'll never understand until we get to the other side because we're looking at it from the wrong side. But in the middle of that, I affirm that God is good even when things are bad. God is still a good God, and I rest in that goodness of the Lord God. But I have to say that if I'm gonna affirm God's goodness, I have to pour my heart out to God because there's times I'm angry at God. There's times it makes no sense. I'm hurting. My heart is bleeding, and that's when God says, just pour out your heart to me because I can't affirm the goodness of God's heart unless I pour out my heart to him in anger and frustration. God, I don't like it, it makes no sense. God, this hurts, where were you when this happened? But once I pour my heart out to him, and God loves that, 
then I come to the place where, God, I don't feel like it. Everything looks bad, but I know you're good, and I affirm the goodness of God. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Underline the phrase, with his love, he will calm all your fears. You see, it's his love that comforts and calms us. Really, if you could know all the answers to why you've gone through what you've gone through, if you could know all the answers to the hurt and the pain, it wouldn't help you. You know, if God told our family why he only allowed Jude Samuel to live one day, if God told us all of those reasons why, it wouldn't do much for us at all because we just miss him. What you need is not answers. You need the comfort of Jesus Christ, of his love wrapping around you and holding you strong, the presence of of God. That's the only thing that really brings comfort to us. And he promises that. He says, my love will envelop you and will calm your fears. And underline the last verse, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I love that because Josh, when Kelly was pregnant with Jude, he would always sing over Jude in the womb with joyful songs and praise songs, always singing. You know, every night they would do that. Every night he'd get his guitar out and he would sing praise songs, you know, over Jude. And he and Kelly would sing together. And, and, and it, I just see this as they were singing over Jude. God was singing love songs over them and continues to sing love songs over them. Even when I yell out against God, even when I cry out in anger, God still sings his love songs over me. He sings his love songs over you. Well, first, I have to rest in the goodness of God's heart. Then secondly, reveal the wound in my own heart. See, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says the eyes of their heart were open so that they saw they were naked and they were ashamed. So they found fig leaves, stitched them together, and covered their bodies. They covered up their bodies physically, but really it was a symbol that they were covering up their hearts. They were covering up the wound and the failure because of their shame in their heart. But until you reveal your heart, you can never start to heal in your heart. Revealing starts the healing, and so we're always trying to cover up the wounds in our hearts, our failures, our struggles, so we can put on an image that everything's great and everything's fine. We try to hold in the hurt, we put a smile on that's fake, and, and we're always trying to hide the wounds in our heart, and that keeps us from healing. Every one of us have wounds in our heart. The great news about Woodland Church is you don't have to hide the wounds in your heart. We all have wounds. We're all looking to the one who heals. Psalm 51, 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. God loves it when we bring our broken hearts to him. And we admit it, we reveal it, because God does his greatest work through our wounds. And then we have to grieve the wound. Some of you have never grieved the wounds in your heart. Maybe it was a wound from someone early in your life that just said, you're not enough. You'll never be enough. You don't have what it takes. Someone who, who left a hole in your heart. And you haven't grieved that. You just plow right on through life, and you don't know why that you're a workaholic, always trying to prove that you're enough, that you have what it takes. 
got to grieve the wound in your heart. Maybe it's a loss. You have to grieve that loss. If you don't grieve your losses, if you don't take them to God and really grieve them, then what happens is it comes out in all kinds of crazy ways. I see it a lot with men with a midlife crisis, some crazy thing in midlife because they haven't, haven't grieved their losses and their wounds and their hurts. They just keep on going. You gotta stop and grieve, but we're not very good at grieving in our society because we wanna be happy. We want everyone around us to be happy, but grieving takes time, and everybody grieves in a different way, but a lot of times we want people who are hurting and grieving to, hey, you know, just... It's gonna be okay, you know? Everything's all right, because we think it's our responsibility to make someone else happy. It's not your responsibility to make someone else happy, to make your spouse happy, to make that friend who's hurting happy. It's your responsibility to get in there and hurt with them. That's what we teach our pastors all the time when it comes to being with people at the deepest, darkest moments of their life. You're not there to give them a bunch of Bible answers that aren't gonna bring comfort you are there to be Jesus to them, to weep with them, to sit with them, to listen to them, and to grieve with them. That's the only thing that helps. And so we have to let people grieve. We have to grieve the wound. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If your heart is crushed today, God is closer to you than he's ever been. He loves you. He knows right where the wound is. And he wants you just to bring it to him. You know, the battle over your heart was won 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on that cross with a broken heart to bring forgiveness to your heart, to give you a new heart, to heal the wounds that are in your heart. I love Jude 1, 2 that says, relax, everything is going to be all right. When everything looked and felt all wrong, that was such a comfort to hear from Jude that God said it's going to be all right. All those things that are wrong right now one day will be made all right because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's through your wound that God does his greatest work. So don't hide the wound. Some of you right now, you look around and everything's all wrong. Everything that's happened this week, this month, this year, there's so many things that are all wrong. And you're wondering, am I gonna make it? I just want you to know, God brought you here today so he could say to you through Jude, just relax. Everything is going to be all right. One day, all those things that are all wrong are gonna be righted. Everything that looks upside down right now is gonna be turned right side up. If not in this life, in the next. Everything. All that is wrong will be made all right. And you need to hear that today because you're wondering if you're gonna make it. Because everything looks all wrong. This is not the way it was supposed to be. This is not the way the plan was supposed to go. It's all falling apart. My life is falling apart. It's all wrong. And I want you to know, God says to you today, relax. It's going to be all right. You're going to be all right because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He took the worst event in all of human history, 
humankind and our sins, crucifying the God of the universe on a cross. And he turned it into the greatest event of all history. He turned everything that was all wrong into all right. And I want you to know, you're going to be all right. If you're a Christ follower, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna make it, and you need to hear that. You need to turn to your neighbor right now and say, everything's gonna be all right. Say that to him right now. Everything's gonna be all right. It may look like everything's all wrong right now, but it's gonna be all right. And one day, he's gonna make all that's wrong all right. You need to say it again because you don't believe it yet. Tell your neighbor, everything's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. I'm not saying you're gonna be okay. I'm saying you're gonna be all right. Everything, all things are gonna be made right. Praise God for what he's done. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of what he's done on the cross. He took everything that was wrong and made it all right. And then thirdly, receive God's unconditional love. In Jude 1, 2, it says, open your heart. Love is on the way. We have to open our heart to God's love and just let God love us. Do you, do you just let God love you? Or are you still, as a Christ follower, trying to prove that you're worthy to earn God's love? You were always trying to prove that, hey, I'm worthy to be loved. And God says, I just love you because I love you. And sometimes you just have to stop and let God love you because you can't love others unless you open your heart totally to let God love you. You say, Carrie, you don't know what I've done, all my sins and my mess. I mean, that's the whole point of the cross. And God loves you unconditionally, and all you have to do is stop trying to save yourself. Let him save you. And for those of you who are saved, you gotta stop trying to be made worthy of your salvation and just say, God, thank you that you have made me worthy. But Carrie, I keep asking forgiveness for the same sin. God says, you're forgiven. You go to him and you receive that forgiveness and then he wants to heal you and give you victory. He wants to heal your heart. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there's no fear in love for perfect love drives out all fear. So then love has not been made perfect in anyone who is afraid because fear has to do with punishment. If you're a Christ follower, there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ and so God doesn't condemn your heart anymore. You have a new heart and you need to start living from that new heart. It's not about punishment. It's about God's peace. And then the fourth thing is risk giving and living from your heart. You see, it all comes down to once you receive God's love with an open heart, then you can give love and you can risk giving love with an open heart, even though there's times you're gonna be hurt, times it's not gonna be given back to you. There are times you're gonna love and you're not gonna find love in return, but yet, it doesn't matter because the God who created the universe loves you completely. And when you realize that and you feel that love in your life with an open heart, you can love with an open heart. You can risk loving others. And it changes everything. In Ephesians 3.19, it says, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. God wants you to live full, a full heart, receiving his love and giving his love, and he's able to do beyond anything you could imagine, beyond your wildest dreams. And some of you, the dream has died. 
You've been hurt. Your heart has been broken and wounded. You've lost a lot of battles in this war over your heart, and you stop dreaming. It's time for you to start dreaming again. God wants to use you and do something great in your life. For some of you, it's time to start trusting again. For some of you, it's time to start giving again and serving again, knowing that God will come through. It's time for you to open up your heart fully and start loving again. You know, Woodland Church has changed a lot over 25 years. When we first started 25 years ago with eight people, there have been a lot of changes that have happened over these last 25 years, but there's one thing that's never changed, and that's our purpose as a church. Our purpose as a church is the heart of Jesus Christ, his heart. Jesus said, I have come to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to break free the captives. And that's our purpose, to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. That's always been our purpose, is Christ's heart. It's all about healing hearts with the love of Jesus Christ because our problems are heart problems that can only be solved by the great heart doctor, Jesus Christ. And he wants to bind up your broken heart. He wants to forgive you and give you a new heart. That's salvation. And then he wants to heal that heart, the wounds in your heart. He wants to bring healing to and wholeness to as only he can. And that's what this church is all about. And when I think about giving and loving and risking, I think about this time of year at Woodland Church. We always have our December offering, and it's just another chance to really step out in faith and risk living and giving for Jesus Christ. And we call it the heart for the house offering because God has such a heart for his house. He has such a heart for his bride, the church. Jesus loves the church. And so this is our chance in our Heart for the House offering, our December offering, just to take a step of faith in a wonderful way. And for those of you who've been here a while, you know all about this. And, but I want to um, just remind everyone what it is. And those of you who are new, I want to just show all of us by taking out this brochure. We put a little brochure in this weekend to explain it, and I'll go through it briefly. If you'll open it up, you'll see Matthew 16, 18, on the front page is, this is the rock upon which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. God loves his church. And then you'll see a letter from our family, but open it up to the next page. 25 years of life change. Did you know 58,190 people have committed their lives to Jesus Christ over the last 25 years through Woodland Church? God has used you in that way. And by the way, I just heard uh, that online this year, we've had over 1,500 people commit their life to Christ just in the online um, service this year. 27,030 people have professed their faith through baptism at Woodland Church. 24,700 people have committed to church membership. Over 25,000 pastors have been trained to fulfill the Great Commission around the world. Over 40 churches Woodland Church is planted all over the world in the last 25 years. And right now, over 85,000 people are being fed constantly and consistently through our farmers' field schools in Haiti and Kenya. Over 3 million people have experienced Christ's love through our over 100 ministries and missions, including food programs, medical clinics, rescue from human trafficking, disaster relief, clean water initiatives, and so much more. 
Over five million people watch at least one service per month through our broadcast and digital media around the world. And that's just a little bit of what God has done over the last 25 years. And so we celebrate what God has done, but this is our chance, our December offering, to do three things. If you'll turn the page, you'll see. I just want you to know what it's all about. First, it's an opportunity for every one of us to show love for Jesus and Woodland Church by giving sacrificially over and above our regular tithes and offerings so the church can continue to fulfill the mission of Christ by sharing the love of Jesus to a hurting world and healing hearts. So it's over and above our regular tithes and offerings because God says that we're to tithe in Scripture to give that first part, but then also there are times where to give over and above as a sacrificial gift just out of love. And so it's all about loving God and loving his bride, the church. And then secondly, it's an opportunity to trust God with our finances and give in faith so that we can experience his promised blessings in a powerful way. There are many times in, in Chris and my life where we have had the opportunity to give over and above our tithes and offerings, and, and it's a time to stretch in faith. We always pray about it. We involve our family, we pray about it, and then God always tells us to give more than we were thinking because he wants to stretch our faith because he says, I'll give back. I'll meet your needs. And it's a chance to stretch your faith, to give over and above your regular tithes and offerings to see that God will come through in a powerful way. So I really encourage you, pray about it with your family and get them involved so they can see Christmas is more than just Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty, that it's Jesus Christ is the birthday boy. And that's what it's all about. And then the third thing is it's an opportunity to meet a practical need that the church has to reach our ministry and missions budget because the end of the year giving is often 20% or more of our ministry budget. And that means that all of our ministries in 2019 will be impacted by our December giving. Um, our church, like all churches and nonprofit ministries, so much of our ministry and missions budget is dependent on what comes in at the end of the year. And so it's just a practical need too for the church. And so when is the heart for the house offering? Special offering is the weekend of December 15th and 16th. That's two weekends from this weekend. But you don't need to wait. Uh, you can give it at any time to our heart for the house offering. So how do I give? If you'll take out your envelope and your commitment card, look at that commitment card. Uh, pray about it with your family. Show your kids. If you have, uh, if you have small children, teenagers, let, get them involved in praying and show them that you put God first at Christmas. And so Pray about what God would have you give over and above your regular giving and take a step of faith. And then if you give cash or check, then fill this out, put the cash or check in there, put it in the envelope and be ready in a couple of weeks when we have our offering, our special offering to give. But if you're not gonna be here, just mail it in or, or give it early. But there are other ways to give. You can give through the Woodlands Church app, through online giving, through our uh, push pay texting, you can give, you can give cash, credit card, stocks and bonds, assets. It doesn't matter how you give as long as you give. And if you give online or give through the PushPay app, then I, I encourage you still write it down on the card, what you're giving, so that um, it just you can write that down as a commitment and turn it in as your commitment. And you just put the you gave you know, online on there. There are many ways to give, but you give what God tells you to give. That's all I ever want you to do is give what God tells you to give. And give based on revelation, not reason. Reason is based on, whoa, what do I have to give? Give based on revelation, what God tells you to give. 
and you'll never go wrong. And give with an open heart. Give with an open heart and an open hand, and you watch God bring it back in so many ways, in powerful ways. Look at this last verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for the meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God. God is a giver, and he gives fully of himself. And then when we open our hearts to fully receive what he's giving, then we're to give as a channel of his blessing, to sacrifice, to give, to risk giving and living in love. I know that God wants to do miracles today because 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Love never fails. The reason why the enemy fears your heart, because when you live with a wide open heart in love with God and loving others, you can't fail. Real love never fails. The image fails. The shallow surface level love fails. But real love never fails. I challenge you to live with a wide open heart to God and to others. And don't hide the wounds in your heart. Bring them to God right now. I want us to bow together and pray because God wants to heal wounded hearts right now. Dear God, I pray for everyone here with a wounded heart, and that's all of us. I pray that you, with your powerful presence, would just bring healing today, that you would heal those deep wounds. Lord, I pray for those who've never really grieved the wounds, that you would point them to it, and you would just show them that you cried Maybe they just pushed right through and didn't cry when their heart was broken, but you did. And and I pray right now, Lord, you would just bring healing. Just bring healing to broken hearts. Bring healing to broken relationships. Bring healing, Lord, to wounded hearts as only you can. In your name, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you won the war over our hearts on the cross 2,000 years ago when you died of a broken heart and you shed your sinless blood so that all we have to do now is receive you and what you've done. All we have to do now is open our hearts to receive your salvation and to receive your unconditional love. So I pray right now for those who've never opened their hearts to you that right now they would just say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I open my heart and ask you to come into my heart to give me a new heart, to bring healing and forgiveness. Forgive me of all my sins. And Lord, help me live with a heart wide open from now on, to live with a heart wide open as you bring healing to my heart. And then, Lord, I thank you that you're preparing my heart for eternity. I thank you that you'll bring me to your heart one day in heaven. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God out of love. If you're a first-time guest, don't feel obligated to give, just give. Um, if you're a regular attender, because you want to, because you love Jesus Christ, and you love the ministries of Woodland Church. And so as we give, thank him for all that he's given, and then just let him open up your heart and to give. Let him open up your heart to receive. Let him open up your heart to live, because I know those fears those fears in your life, 
He wants to drive them out right now. All of your fears of the future, all of your fears, he wants to drive out of your life right now. Perfect love drives out all fear. And so as we open up our hearts, we live in love and we give. Lord, as we give to you, we thank you that you've given us the greatest gift of all and we celebrate that and we receive. And Lord, we give to you and thank you that as we give, we're receiving. And we thank you, Lord, that you're gonna give back. Lord, open up our hearts so our hearts can be a channel of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.